Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Final Countdown podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about our top 10 favourite historical battles. This is a subject that's both interesting to myself and David as we both studied history at university. I really hope that comes across. I really hope you all enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy. Learning history at uni was good, which makes me regret. I'm like, I wish I'd made more of an effort now. <laughs> like, I wish I'd not gone out as much and I'd gone to the library more and done more work. And yeah. Number two, let's go back. Well, this is true. This is true. I've just been, I've been listening to so many history documentaries at work. Oh, nice. I just had a headphone in and just been doing work and listening to documentaries. It's fucking great. I love it. Have you listened to the History of Rome podcast? No, I've not, no. It's amazing. It goes, it? From the be- goes from the beginning of Rome's founding all the way through. What's it on? Like, Do you know what the podcast is on? Because I'm like, oh, I It's just that. on whatever podcast software. I think it's put on. Is it on Spotify? Probably. Because if it's on Spotify, I can download it then. I just use Apple's podcast thing. I know it's probably not great, but... It's What's it called? The History of Rome? It's literally called The History of Rome Podcast by Mike Duncan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Nice. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a big book. I haven't even finished it. Oh, but, there are but they're really fucking... short podcasts. They're 20 minutes each. Yeah. Oh, Christ. There well, is half an hour. 20 minutes to half an hour. But there is, yeah, 179 of oh Okay, fair enough. So I'm, oh, I'm nice. only on like 60 or something like that. Because yeah. I used to listen to quite a lot when I walked. Um, I had to walk downhill for work. Oh, fair one. So what, you're probably going to be better than this at me, I think. I think your knowledge is, well, your knowledge of Rome is pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> for Rome it is, yeah. Yeah, well, it was. I, mean, I did my dissertation on Rome. I think... What's, what's your master's yeah. in? Uh, international security studies. I didn't study much of Rome for that. I did do a module, though, on military strategy. So oh, That's cool. And we did do some stuff on Rome I'm, I'm surprised your master's wasn't more on Rome then. No, well, I mean, it's not. It's it. it the, my master's is more international relations. It's very, very modern. That's true. Uh, yeah. just why did you modern. go? Why Why did you go from obviously doing like ancient history at uni to then doing your masters in in a more modern setting? I think it was better for job prospects. Yeah, fair enough. So, but having a degree, having a master's in history, so what can you really do with that? Probably good if you're in the military, I reckon. Maybe then my you, you, my, you my master's is good in the military yeah. anyway. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. So it covers. Not both. that you're in the military, but no. But you could don't you? Have, do you have to, to have a degree to be an officer, or you, don't you just have get put? To have a degree. It does help. You don't have to have one. It's not a requirement. Oh, fair enough. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm looking forward to this one. I think I love battles. So, and ancient battles, you get some of the best. Like. Uh, like uh, the the, it's crazy to think because you think of like people now are smarter than people back then, but then you get like in battles especially some of the tactics that they use. I'm just like that's just, that's that's fucking clever. I don't think people now are smarter than people back then. I think uh, it's hard, isn't it? Do you, do you reckon? I, I guess mean, it's just society that makes you look more intelligent. I guess because you got all the technology and stuff, and you got people creating these. People things. are more educated, but they're not necessarily smarter. I think thing, things have changed since. I think people you find uh, the one that always gets me that makes me realise that we are the same is uh, so obviously I've been to Pompeii and yep. Hadrian's Wall, which are both obviously okay. like you know Roman, yeah. and they just drew dicks everywhere, like graffiti <laughs> dicks everywhere. Yeah, that's and true. I find that hilarious. And oh, obviously, yeah. it's one of those things that two thousand years ago they also they, found it hilarious to draw yeah, dicks and stuff. Enough. Yeah, so we enough. are the exact same people. I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> we just yeah. like love graffiti cock. <laughs> yeah, we just have access to electricity, but we still just I guess that's true. mix everywhere. For, that's true. I mean, if you hand someone a bit of paper, if I get access to someone else's notepad, I'm drawing a penis in it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, there's going to be no, a dick somewhere. <laughs> there's going to be a dick somewhere in it. Yeah, I'll give you that. That's of true. All that's, the a good pick, that's a good point. Dicks for yeah. two thousand years, we graffiti dicks. Mm. And probably before that, that's just the one thing about. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So we are the same. I don't that, doubt that. That is an outstanding point. Thanks. Yeah, nice one. All right, should we jump right. into it then? Are you ready to begin? I'm ready to begin. Do you want to wash? 
Hit me with your number five. Tell me what it is. So my number five ancient battle. Uh-huh. It's a naval battle. Interesting. I left naval battle. battles out of mine. I've, I've included... There's, There's a one. lot. Okay. Uh, so I've gone for the Battle of Mylae. Okay, I don't know that. 60 BC, uh-huh. part of the First Punic War. Right. So this one was significant because it was the first time the Romans beat the Carthaginians. Okay. And it was the first time the Romans used the Corvus. What is the Corvus? Big, essentially a drawbridge right. but on a boat and it's got a big spike on the end. So okay. the Romans were not very good at sea battles. No. They lost constantly and they yeah. were super determined to win. Mm-hmm. They were like, we're going to win. And they go, what are we good at? Land battles. Yeah. How do we turn a sea battle into a land battle? Well, if we make sure that the enemy can't move their ship and That's we true. fill our ships full of soldiers, yeah. then we're going to win. So they yeah. did that. Yeah. Yeah. They drop a big drawbridge, crash straight into the Castilian ships, hold them in place so they can't leave, and then Roman soldiers run aboard and kill everyone. So just for the purposes of anyone else listening to this, what kind of boats ships are Rome sailing? Is it triremes? They're sailing ba- triremes, quadremes, by that kind of, they are right. all powered. They're kind of shaped. They have sails though, but yeah. they, are the, they are basically, I think the Romans captured a Carthaginian ship and basically just copied it and built a whole fleet of them. Okay. okay. Because the Romans were not, they weren't exactly seafarers. No, no. So for warships, they just copied the Carthaginians who were excellent. Yeah, which really makes their uh, empire even more impressive. The Carthaginians or the Romans? The Romans. For, not being, Carth- for not being seafarers, because not just, obviously, eventually you're probably going to have to fight a sea battle. Uh, oh, they very quickly just they, conquered the entire Mediterranean. That's true. I suppose if you capture... But then, for how wide their empire is, not using, like, the sea necessarily is, is pretty impressive. They used it to, for transport, but they didn't need to fight anyone because there was never anyone who lived on the other side of the I sea. I guess all of their enemies as well, a lot of their enemies, like a lot of the Gallic tribes especially, they, they're not sea, you know, they're not seafaring warriors, are they? No. Only, like Carthage, probably the only one I could think of that would have a sort of navy. But even then, it's not a navy. Yeah, Athens has a navy, but it's not what it used to be. It's not like uh, the, the, the navy of old. No. So yeah, I guess that's true. There's not really a naval power on the sea, is there? No. Hmm. For the Rome, they were good. Yeah, that's true. Clean and efficient. I feel like this is not going to be your only Punic War one. Uh, do you know what? Four <laughs> of my five choices are Roman battles. The thing is, it's either going to be, when it comes to ancient, it's either going to be Rome or it's going to be Greek. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I can't think of too many others that you would include in that. I'd, I wasn't really sure how far the ancient would go up to. Does it go up to like, would it have gone up to like the... Um, sacking of Rome, like, isn't it? The, is that what you go up to? What is it, the, when was second sacking of Rome? Was it the fifth century? I want to say four something. I can't remember. Something. Yeah, I guess that's probably a good. Well, I was, was, was going to include that. Fourth in, or fifth century AD. I was going to include that in my list, but I didn't ever really count as a battle, the sacking of Rome. I mean, it wasn't really a very good battle either. No, but it's quite an important part in history. It's important, isn't it? so, but it's important strategically, but it's not a good battle. No, 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 that is true. That but is it true. It was a battle. Rome, yeah. by that point, is a joke. Dude, this is true. Yeah, Rome does become a joke. Which is a shame because it's Rome. Rome's cool. Such good starts. I know. Yeah, I was watching a. Uh, I was listening to a, a, a documentary. Uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but I. Uh, do, do you watch the History Channel much, or have you like you presumably you've watched? Well, it I have channel. in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I love ancient how the History aliens. Channel. Yeah, Ancient Aliens. I love <laughs> how the History Channel make everything sound more dramatic because they're all narrated by Americans. And it's yep. all American historians, and they make everything seem so much more dramatic than it needs to be. And I was listening to a, a one series, and it's about the fall of Rome, and it starts from the start, so it's talking about Marius. But of course, because they're American, they don't call him, they don't say Marius, they call him Marius. Marius. <laughs> and it's like, and there's like one part where it's like, oh, Marius defeats the, the tribe, but then another tribe comes forward, and they're like, only one man can defeat this <laughs> tribe, Marius. I'm like, that. They didn't. That that was never that dramatic. They were like, "You need to sort." I would argue that the whole point of the Roman army is that one man doesn't need to do anything. Yeah, stop and change people, and you'll win. Exactly. I mean, their military leaders were elected, so obviously they can't. Yeah, exactly. I was like, "This is." I was like, "This." I appreciate the the drama side of it, but I'm like, historically, I'm like, "Oh, that's cringy." (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't sit well with me. Right? Do you want my number five? 
All right, hit me with your number five battle of the ancient world. Chutborg Forest, 9 AD. That's what I'm going for. That is my number five. Uh, I've gone for this just for the fact that it is such a horrific defeat for the Romans. They lose three legions in it. And those eagles. And the eagles. They lose a lot of eagles. The standards are nicked. Those three legions that are lost, two of them are never used again. The numbers are never used again, except for one which is used by Nero, but then is later retired again by Vespasian. Uh, And it's just, I think it's classic. I think it's good from uh, from the point of view of the the Germanic tribes that were fighting in it, because it's a classic, like, lure them into where you want them to be. And for some reason, for how long Rome have gone on for, they never seem to learn that don't, why, why would you go into this, this like funnel of horrible woodland area and not expect anyone to be in there. Um, I feel like it's kind of, <laughs> they're kind of a bit unlucky because the Germans are led by Arminius, a man who was trained by Rome. Yeah. So that's kind of like, well, you've already got the inside scoop on Rome. You already know how you're going to like fight them. Um, yeah. But the main reason I put it in just to include it, because I think it marks a very significant point in Rome's uh, military expansion, where it decides that the border is at the Rhine. Yeah, you, and you're going to go no further than that because past that is just it's too hard. Well, I mean, for I can't remember when they finally recovered the last of those eagles, but it was a long time after mm. they were. Yeah, they were very hard set on getting their hands on those three eagles. Yeah, well, apparently they'd sent Augustus into a yeah, he was mad, a state. He? Yeah, he would apparently bang his head on the wall, shouting, yeah. "Paris, give me back my legions!" And it's known as the Varian disaster. He killed himself at the battle as well. Yeah, what a coward. Not only did you did lose you... a battle of that. Well, a lot match. of the generals killed themselves. At killed it. A lot of them yeah, did that. Well, yeah, but you do it in the yeah, but you do it in the honourable way where you fall on yeah. your sword and it's like just fight. But they were they did go back and recover the bodies, didn't they? Or not recover them, but bury them, didn't they? They go back so, yeah. to bury them, but they don't really know who's who and no, they didn't. What's what? It's like thirty years later or something, I think. Yeah, they did go back a long time later. Um, but I think it's just it's such a clinical display of we're not really probably not going to beat you in a like pitch battle. Pitch so we're gonna we're just gonna do what we can, and it's a bit sneaky. But that's not to say sneaky is not good. Doesn't matter. No, if it gets you the win, it gets you the win. Exactly. Yeah, and it it had a very good effect for the Germanic tribes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's why I think it deserves to be, it deserves to be in there, I think. On the list. I definitely agree. It's yeah. a, it's a yeah. top, top battle. It, it was considered on my list, but was I've it? gone you for a different one. Have I've you? gone for a very similar one. Okay. one. okay, right. Well, hit me with your four then. What was your number four for ancient So battles? my number four was the Siege of Masada. 70... Right. Yeah. <laughs> You seem well. I was I was going through a list, and Aaron, my brother, was like, "Oh, you should include the siege of Masada." I was like, "It's a it God, is, Why have you put it in there?" So, essentially, it's the end of the first Jew, Jewish Roman war. Right. So I think it's about about seven mid seventies AD. Not one hundred percent on the date. Is it about seventy nine? Isn't it something it's like that? I think AD? they say seventy nine in a. In I can't remember the, one of the sources, Josephus, I think. But then they figured it out that they think it might be a year later, but oh, around right. then anyway. Sure. Yeah. Um, essentially, at the end of it, uh, all of the Jewish rebels who were still alive, um, they went to the fortress of Masada, which was thought to be impregnable. It was mm-hmm. on top of a massive hill. Not even a hill, it's a mountain. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the photo. It's in the that. middle of a desert. It's yeah. not even a little bit, you know... Um, near some water or anything like that, middle of a desert, Yeah. rocks everywhere. The Romans went, well, we could starve you out, which they perfectly well could. There's, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't just sit outside and wait them out. And the Romans went, no, we're coming in to get you. Yep. And they built the biggest sea tramp you've ever seen. <laughs> you ever don't see. You can still see it today. That's can how you? big it is. It's 2,000 years old, and you can wow. still see a ramp going up to where the fortress used to be oh, that's crazy and it is just 
just for that sheer, like, as a display of Roman, which is essentially what it is. They didn't need it's, to go up there. They went, uh, I'm going to show you what we can do if we want. Yeah. And they're it's, like, we didn't even need to do this. Imagine what we could do if we needed yeah. to get somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's the same as with, you know, Caesar crossing the Rhine and yeah. he crossed it in like two days or something. They built, yeah. they built the bridge, don't they? Just to prove that they can. They didn't need to build it. No. And they destroyed it on the other side just to prove yeah. they didn't even need to do that. No, yeah, they didn't even leave it there. Masada is just one of those things where that's just human stubbornness and ingenuity <laughs> all combined into one. Which I'd say really they, sums up Rome quite well. Exactly. Yeah, for and sure. It's just an awesome, awesome I'm, siege. This may be... This may... Was, Go on. I was to say, it was so effective... That by the time the Romans made it to the walls, everyone inside had killed themselves. I was going to say, that's what I was just about to say. Uh, controversially, I'm like, it's a siege, but it's not quite a battle, is it? They never no, know no one actually fought. Each other. They, they will kill themselves. <laughs> uh, but Romans won plenty of battles by just showing off. Yeah, the that's true. You can just... Yeah. All Gallic tribes by building a siege tower outside their walls. Yeah. And the girls who are, we can't fight that, we'll just surrender. Yeah, yeah. The best battle is one where you don't need to fight. Oh, that's some that's Sun Tzu that's shit be right there. Sun Tzu <laughs> You've been reading the Art of War, haven't you? I did. I have got a copy of it somewhere. I have read it. Have you? Not really have you read straight. it? Yeah. Has that helped you in your life? No. <laughs> you haven't got it to where you are because of Sun Tzu. Sadly not. Rats. Um, yeah, that's a good battle. I have seen. I've seen the. I used to have a battle book, and that was included. I remember reading it and being like, "Oh, cool!" And then getting to the bit where oh, they all killed themselves. Like, they oh, all killed themselves. Oh god! Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, Romans won. Jewish rebels, big fat zero. That's true. That's true. What are they rebelling? Just Rome. Yeah, just Rome. Just they Rome. the Romans were very brutal in that in that rebellion. They're not particularly. Um, well, they're not particularly pleasant to any rebellions. To be fair. No, that was their strategy. Yeah, yeah. That's how you win when you're outnumbered. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like they always were. You'd just be brutal. Yeah. How long does the rebellion last for? Or was that the end of it? This is the Jewish war because there's a Jewish war and I think there's also a Jewish rebellion. Okay. How but long I does the Jewish remember. war last? I think it's only a few years. Oh, so it's not a long one. But I'm not fact-checked on that, so make sure you cut all that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> if you say a few years, that's ambiguous and you can and it can be whatever then. Yeah, but I can never remember if it was the because I, I ambiguity is the key. Came first, but you, you're cutting this out anyway. What is the um, like? What's what's their goal? Are they trying to escape from Rome, or are they trying to get rid of so Rome? The, it, the Jewish war and the Jewish rebellion are the same two things. It's okay, it's okay. a, a rebellion that became a war. Okay, and are they trying to get kick Rome out, or are they trying to? Yeah, it's just rebelling okay. against Roman rule. I mean, that's never going to go well because they're a tiny. You know, that's the problem once Rome. Rome gets big enough is yeah you can't do anything can't do shit. To, they'll just commit so many resources mm. to something like that yeah because at first you obviously don't commit first you want to make it look like it's not a big deal but then if it becomes a big deal you can be like right well yeah now the full force is coming out yeah and that's when it goes tits up yeah and the Romans were very lenient though they were always uh, if you just surrender we'll let you off yeah they we'll crucify all of you <laughs> yeah if we have to fight you we're fucking killing you all they had yeah. that you know they're in the oh, what was it called, Casus Belli? The no, Casus Belli. What's the other one? The one about just war, about it being yeah, just war, yeah, yeah. War. They said once a ram touches the enemy gates, no one alive is spared. <sighs> and yeah. that's one of those things that you go when you see that ram coming up, yeah. you go, "Well, that's the decision it, to be made there." <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's brown trousers time if you're going to say they're coming Absolutely. in, they're going to fucking kill every single one of you, and they don't give a shit. No, that's true. They told you, so you can't even be like. You've been hey, given the choice. They literally told yeah. you. If yeah. You don't, this is what we will do to you. This we is what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, I like that number four. It's a good one. Yeah. What is your number four? So my number four is the Battle of Carre, fifty-three BC. Good choice. That's what's yeah. On my list. Is it on your list? No, it's not. Is it not? Okay, good. Um, I like this one because, again, it's another example of Rome being kind of duped again well they're not really duped but they're kind of like they're made to look inefficient again crassus is just crassus is a joke that's just too crass he is well he's the wealthiest man in rome isn't he or he's said to be he's said to be i don't think he's the wealthiest man he was dirty rich he was also the one of the members of the first triumvirate as well 
with, uh, he had no military experience. He didn't. No, he's. But he, the other two, I don't know how. Pompey must be very experienced by this point. Not sure yeah. about Caesar. Caesar as well. Yeah. Yeah. What year was the battle? Fifty-three. So this. So presumably, is... he, has he done his invasion of Gaul yet? His invasion. No, uh, I think so. Uh, he has. Yeah, he would have done. Yeah, he would be doing it about the same time. Actually, to be fair. Caesar was preparing for a second expedition to Britain when he died, wasn't he? When did he die? 44? Yeah, something like that. So he would have been then called... Yeah, he would have been. Yeah. Yeah, so the Roman army is... I've got the numbers. is about thirty-four to 44,000 legionaries, which is a lot. That's a lot by an ancient standard. That's a big army. Uh, yeah. They've got 4,000 cavalry as well. The Parthian army has got 9,000 horse archers and 1,000 cataphracts. Yeah. Right now, obviously, horse archers are annoying because they can harass you to no end. Cataphracts are just like absolute tanks coming at you, mm-hmm. just head disgustingly armored. But when you got like you're, they are just horrifically outnumbered in this. So the Roman cavalry here was completely and utterly outmatched. Yeah, it's the it, Roman the, cavalry. When you say was, Roman cavalry, it's not proper. Like that's not. It's not Ro- yeah, I mean, it, if you say Roman it, cavalry as in from it, Rome, that's yeah. going to be the worst cavalry you've ever seen in your life. Exactly. Yeah. Proud, but Gallic cavalry is very good cavalry. Sure. But the cataphracts is a outmatched. You, you go against like a, ca- a thousand cataphracts is worth much more than four thousand Gallic cavalry, isn't it? Well, they they were saying that at the battle, the Romans' spears couldn't even pierce the Parthians' armor. That does not surprise me at all. Because they had light spears. And I their had... leather armour did nothing against the uh, Parthian weaponry. Really? So and that's... the Roman horses were smaller. The they reason... Were... I, th- I think one of the main reasons is I've included this is because, it, again, it shows that while Rome is good at certain things, it's terrible at... It can be terrible at other things. Probably led by the wrong person, to be fair. But, I mean, yeah, his his tactics were abysmal. Yeah, so they start I mean, out in a. He, does he start out in a, in like a uh, what was it called a? They're in a big line. They're in a line, flat formation, is it? Or Basically, line? just yeah. a line formation. But then, but then he decides. The but then they get harassed, don't they, by the missile units? So they form. And then Crassus just changed his mind and just yeah. decides. So they form a testudo in the end. Well, That's... not a testudo. It's a square. They're not in. Yeah, but they do form it in the end, don't they? We don't know when there's like 10 of them left. Yeah, probably. but then the but, problem is yeah. then you're reduced. You can't really you fight in melee in a testudo, can you? Well, you can't fight in melee at you all because your enemies aren't melee infantry, they're cavalry. Yeah. Uh, and then the cataphracts just take advantage of that and you're just harassed by constant charges. But the main one of the reasons I've included this as well is that this essentially leads to the end of the Roman Republic as well. Because this gives rise... Because once Crassus is killed... You're left with just Pompey and Caesar, and the friction between the two of them just increases. From I think with having Crassus in there, he's like the kind of buffer between the two. Once he dies, I think that it's it, I think it severs the tie between Pompey and Caesar. I mean, after, shortly after Crassus dies as well, doesn't um, Pompey's wife die as well? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, which doesn't also help things because that's Caesar's daughter. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then obviously that leads to the civil war in Rome, which then yeah. leads to Caesar becoming emperor. Dictator well, he's not life. emperor. Dictator no, he's dictator, dictator for life, but he's, you know, he, in all intents and purposes, he's emperor. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, he's dictator for life. Uh, I like this battle. I remember first seeing this battle in Rome Total War in the first one when you could play the historical battles, and this is one of them. And you had to... I think you were the Romans in that, weren't you? And you had to try and fight them off. Yeah. It was very hard. I could never do it. I would have been yeah, it, just, it just proves you just can't... It's difficult. Yeah. Some things you just can't... You can't Heavy infantry can't beat cavalry archers. No, because what are you going to do? You can't chase them down. No. And Rome don't really use archers either, really, do they? No. So, it's not a... Yeah, it's a very mismatch. And they're, they're going into that part of the world, you have to deal with... Horse archers is a very big thing in that part of the world. Well, just cavalry in general. Well, yeah, just cavalry in general, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's why I've included that. I think it's, it's got uh, a lot of significance to it. Yeah. There you go. 
Very nice. Yeah. Why don't you hit me with your number three? So my number three is one that I'm sure is on your list too somewhere. Go on. Battle of Thermopylae. This is on my list. Yeah, I was. I, was <laughs> <on my list. laughs> I mean, you can't have a list of ancient battles without including this, can you? Let's be honest. You can't, no. Even no. if you ignore the dramatization and you go, well, it wasn't just 300 Spartans. It was, I must admit that bothers me. <laughs> it, but I mean, estimates are what between five and ten thousand total. Uh, it's not that many. Seven thousand troops is what yeah, approximately. Yeah, but um, it's but the really big uh, deal of the three hundred Spartans when there's yeah they only make up six thousand seven hundred of the troops. I know they're at the forefront of it, but yeah, you know. And either way, even if you say there are seven thousand Greeks, yeah, there is still. You know, I mean, Herodotus says it's like two million. Yeah, I've got that. Yeah, he put his number. Yeah, but let's remember, Herodotus is not a historian. <laughs> Nor is he a mathematician. Exactly, uh, he is the father of lies. Yeah. Yeah. There is still gonna. There is still a significant there, there, number of. Yeah, I would a hell say a lot. comfortably yeah. probably over a hundred thousand there. The, I, I think the modern estimates range between 70,000 and 300,000. Yeah, so if you say 100,000 is a fair min. Either yeah. way, the you know, the the Greeks are outnumbered more than 10 to 1. Uh, yeah, it's crazy, yeah. And I know that they lose, but They do, but it's like it's like Alamo, it's like the ancient Alamo, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's the holdout. Yeah, exactly. But it's got a, a, such a significance on because the point of it, they always know they're not going to win, but the point is to hold out until the other Greek states or any other help will come to their come to aid or give them time to prepare for, which it does because after Thermopylae you just have a, lot, uh, a period of Greek success after that. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure a Spartan king dying is probably quite I say quite good for morale, but you know what I mean. It's quite, the thing uh, is though that is good for for the Spartans. They love it because the Spartans is uh, their idea of their only thing in life is obviously train, become a soldier, and have a beautiful death. And that's all they want. That is the that's the dream for the Spartans. Keep the helots in check and then die. Keep the helots in check, yeah. <laughs> Have slaves and uh, and die in battle. So for them to lose a king is even more like he's like a he's a like a hero to them. Then so you can yeah. emulate Leonidas and I, it's just yeah, I love it. It's a great battle. It's uh, a good one. And but, don't forget the naval battle that took place alongside. Yes, but led by Themistocles. Yes. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Has it got a name? But there is one because it, it stops. It stops the Persians. It stops the Persians. Behind yeah, right. them. Everyone always forgets that. Yeah, one. it's happened. never included, is it? Yeah, it no. It happened that... concurrently with. It did. The yeah, it's very important. Because the main focus someone is. Someone came up to me and went, "Yeah, there are three thousand Spartans on that really narrow rock face that you need to pass." I always go, "Well, let's just sail around them and mm. then ignore them." Yeah, I mean, ultimately, they are. They do get attack from behind but only after being betrayed by by Ephialtes which means nightmare in Greek if you're interested do you reckon that came before or after uh, the the betrayal um I don't do you know. reckon that's it a good meant point. nightmare before it could very well it, I don't know I reckon it could have changed it that's very possible it would make sense interesting yeah so they actually they hold out for seven days Three seven of them, days. seven days. Three of them a battle, but the casualties are crazy for um, for the Persians. The Persians did not do well out of that. No, it makes them, you know, it makes. And then after Thermopylae, you've got um, Salamis. And Salamis. No, Salamis uh, was the sea battle, wasn't it? Yeah, Salamis is the sea battle after Thermopylae. Yeah. Which is led by Themistocles, and then after that you have Plataea. Yeah. And then Plataea is and... led by the Spartans. Yeah, when, wait, our marathon was way before. Wasn't Marathon's it? before, yeah. Ten years like before. That. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, yeah, great battle. Thermopylae is great. 300, I, I must it. admit. I do love 300. I think it's a great film. But it's a cool... It's, um, I know it's not, like, it's not 100% accurate, but no, it's just a cool, cool idea. 300, it's like a cool... The thing is, they, they get some of it quite right, especially with the Spartan attitudes in things where you have them, like... I know that, obviously, they obviously wore armor and they didn't just go into battle with, in like underwear, but yeah, that's kind of like the, you know, I think the Spartans would have liked to have seen themselves like that. Like that. I think Spartans would love 300. I think they'd think it was a great, <laughs> they watched it. Yeah, I reckon so. <laughs> they 
They'd be a hundred percent down for it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Time machine. That's where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. Take three hundred. Take, take a DVD to, player. Take it back to Leonidas <laughs> himself. Yeah, I've yeah, a lot of respect for for that battle. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. What is your number three? So my number three is Marathon. 490 BC. So it's 10 years before Thermopylae. Uh, this is the f- yeah, I know. Yeah, it's great. Isn't it? Back in time. So this is the first Persian invasion of Greece, led by uh, Darius or Darius, however you want to pronounce it. Obviously, mm-hmm. Thermopylae and that is Xerxes. That's Darius's son, uh, and it's kind of the first time of East meeting West as well. Uh, yeah. And the documentation of the different cultures, of course. The, Greeks saw the Persians as barbarians. That's where the word barbarians come from because they just thought they just went bar, bar, bar. So that's where you get barbarians from. I like that. They wore trousers as well. Yes. Pajamas, they called them. <laughs> they said they all just, they came to battle in pajamas. <laughs> I think that's in Herodotus. They're like, they've come to battle in pajamas. <laughs> Which I love the idea of like, <laughs> they're in like this bronze armor and like, they've just rocked up in a fucking onesie. What is this? Oh, yeah, it's like a duvet day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a Sunday and a duvet day. Hmm. Uh, so this is, you've got 9,000 Athenians to 10,000 Athenians. Uh, it's about 25,000 infantry for the Persians. Uh, there are some Spartans, but it's mainly Athenians. And this is led by a man called Miltiades, who was actually exiled from from Greece as because he, he was a tyrant. Um, and they don't like tyrants, so... He, he was so he he was exiled and his punishment was actually to lead the army at marathon in the end and they were like basically it's death sentence you're gonna die um so what they do is they it's a location of marsh it's a marshland uh, a mountain terrain and they also cut down trees to to narrow the the width of the field so the persians yeah. can't use their cavalry which is the main tactic of the persian army um and what they also do this is said in herodotus i whether or not it's true i can't <laughs> take remember it yeah take it as you will i think they're uh, they sprint which is strange because you obviously the greeks fight in a phalanx but they sprint at the persians for about two miles i think it is and they just fucking run at them uh and the persians are like what what's going on here but they end up this is why i love this battle so obviously in most uh, so a phalanx is normally it's about eight shield deep i think yeah. throughout so another because some people have said it's gone to like 50 shields deep before but in this case what he does what Miltiades does is he he weakens the middle of the phalanx and strengthens the flanks so the persians are suckered into the middle thinking we'll just break through the middle of them but what actually happens is the middle stands strong and the flanks then come round and engulf the persians in the end uh, and end up pincering them in and just capture and they just it's a slaughter from there it's almost the worst because I think the Carthaginians did the same thing, didn't they? At uh, it Cannae? Yeah. They weaken their middle. And yeah. Then... It's a it's a good if you can hold it. Good if you can. If you hold, yeah. If you can control. Which a phalanx is perfect at doing. Yeah. If you can make your middle weak enough to withdraw, but not so weak that it will break and route. Yeah. It's a good strap. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's some great stories that come out of this as well. It's in Herodotus. He, they say that there's, uh, they feign a retreat at one point and there's a Spartan and he refuses to retreat because he says Spartans never retreat. <laughs> They're like, no, it's just, a, it's just a, like a ruse. And he's like, no, I won't even do it for that. <laughs> uh, there's another story of a, a Greek who goes blind because the marsh was given off gas and it makes you go blind. And he goes blind and he just basically gets his um, like slave to lead him into battle blind uh, another one tries to pull as the persians are running getting back on their boats he grabs the boat and tries to pull it back to shore and then gets his hand cut off and then he gets his other hand tries to pull it back to shore gets his hand, other hand cut off then he's trying <laughs> to pull it back with his teeth I'll just give up mate yeah i just call it a day i reckon you've won the battle just leave it uh but it also it, it marks the end of the first persian invasion which obviously leads on to thermopylae when xerxes is. comes he was, back yeah exactly he comes back with a vengeance but uh, and also gives birth to the marathon event. Yes, because the man he ran back to he ran back to Athens, which is twenty six point four miles. miles, and then he died. He dies. Yeah, he dies at the end. Yeah. So 
Let's remember him forevermore by proving that we can run 26 miles and not die. <laughs> I cannot run. If I ran that much, I would die. Uh, yeah. It's a long way to run. I can it's a long way why, to run. Yeah, I understand why he died. But... Yeah, and he's probably not even taking it easy. He's probably pelting it back. Absolutely pelting it. Yeah. I'm going to take a break halfway, mate. Just, just an hour. Yeah, I'm have sure a rest, have some water. sure they'll understand. Yeah, come back and Athens is absolutely destroyed. Look, I just, get I a horse. Break. Yeah, just get a horse. Nick a horse. Persians had horses. Just use yeah. one of them. Seems obvious. Whatever. Yeah. We're not, I don't nah, understand. We weren't there, look. There's I just... would have got a horse, but, yeah. you know. But it's all right to say these things in hindsight, though, isn't it? Yeah. Hindsight it's all about hindsight. hindsight. Exactly. All right, why don't you hit me with your number two? So my number two? On a similar vein to Teutoburg Forest okay. is the Battle of Lake Trasimene. Oh, I was going to include this. I didn't, so I'm glad you did. BC. Okay, cool. cool. So this is the uh, Second Punic War. Uh-huh. Bit of a rocky start for Rome. Uh, previously lost a the battle. They decide we need to get back on the old horse. They raise an army mm-hmm. and they go looking for Hannibal. Yeah. And uh, one foggy morning it was a foggy morning the romans for some reason i don't understand why they were marching on the side of a lake but they were yeah uh they were ambushed by the carthaginians and good lord was it a slaughter (laughs) well you can't run anywhere can you you can you can't run anywhere some of the units at the front managed to make it out really they were then later tracked down and killed um but it was a very shocking defeat for rome do they even do the romans even have time to like form a line or is it literally just i think they barely have time to fight back they are essentially surprised and killed i don't even think they're in battle readiness i don't think that you know their shields are uncovered they're carrying um they're carrying all their supplies with them they're not they're not exactly in a combat formation they're not expecting a fight yeah yeah, sure. Who's so? Who's leading? Rome. Who is it? I don't want to mess up the guy's name. <laughs> what? Because you can't pronounce it, or because his name—it's Gaius Flaminius. Oh yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Because it follows on from uh, old Longus's defeat. And this is, and it's Hannibal leading Carthage. And yeah? It is Hannibal. Where is Lake Trasimene? Northern Italy. So he's, he's already crossed the Alps. He's crossed it? the Alps. Okay. And uh, does he have elephants? Well, he only made it across the Alps with one, didn't he? Oh, did he? And that was the one that he was riding. All the other ones oh. died. Oh. So he didn't uh, actually not... have an effective elephant force. Oh, okay. Made it I mean, to get one across is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah. Um, he also has a great name as well, Hannibal. Hannibal. Yeah, what a great Hannibal name. Barker. Hannibal yeah, Barker. That's a great name. Um, but yeah, it is one of those battles where you just, I think it was probably the first military ambush on a large scale. Yeah. You know, up until then you did your pitched battles where you would both camp up and you wait and then you'd go out in the morning, have a fight Mm. and then go back to camp at night or lose. What kind of, what kind of numbers are we talking? Do you know? There were, they were actually quite matched so okay. we've got the Romans are about 30,000 mm-hmm. and Carthaginians are about 50,000 I mean, so they they are a little bit outnumbered the <clears> Romans yeah. were not you know they weren't exactly used to you know outnumbering the enemy no that is true they don't necessarily have large armies they don't really care about no. that much no that's true so what is it just the fact that they just catch them out and they're it's against the, the fact river. that it's the first, yeah, they used to get caught out on the on the on the banks of the lake. Yeah. It was such a crushing defeat, and it was the the tactical skill. And obviously, hmm. Hannibal did a lot of work in luring. Yeah, he's a very smart general. Flaminius into a combat. Yeah, because um, obviously you you know you start seeing the you know the Fabian strategy that hmm. kind of thing starts coming in. But this yeah. is pre pre Fabian. Though of course Rome do go on to win the Punic War, don't they? They do go on to win the war. Yeah. Is that Scipio? But they learn they learn their lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Scipio this. defeats Yeah. It is indeed. Yeah. Nice. That's a good yeah, I like that one. I think just for the sheer the fact that it's the first <clears throat> ambush 
Yeah. Such a crushing defeat. And it's not even like the Romans hadn't just had the opportunity to learn their lesson. Yeah. They'd just been defeated at Trebia. Yeah. And then they decided to basically do the whole thing again. <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah, that's bad. It's not and great. They should have just gone, yep, let's learn. At least with, you know, Cheetahburg Forest, they learn from that. Don't yeah, go into Germany. Yeah, that is, we're going to stop going into Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a fair one. All right. Well, my number two was Thermopylae. So I'm going to swap it out. You're going to have... add a new one. Yeah, I'm going to add in the Battle of Plataea in, in uh, 479 BC. Because uh, obviously Salamis is before it, and that is important because uh, they obviously just crushed the Persian navy. Uh, again, massively outnumbered, and they crush them. Um, so Plataea's the Plataea's the land battle. battle yeah, or... Plataea's there's the land battle of the second Greek uh, invasion, and it's... So it follows on from Thermopylae, so it goes Thermopylae and then... It's Thermopylae, Salamis, Plataea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have pretty much it's the same, not necessarily the same people involved, you have, uh, you have Spartans as well. Spartans are there, it's led by Spartans, I, I believe. Um, I'm not sure who by, but it's, uh, it's more of a, they have a much larger force than than they had previously in other battles, to be fair. Mm. Uh, again, you just have a case of, of, of the Greeks absolutely demolishing the Persians. The Persians don't really wear armour. I think in Herodotus, they say they've just got wicker shields. They're wearing pyjamas. pyjamas pajamas and wicker shields, isn't it? I mean, wicker shields doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Yeah, but they're not good. They, don't, they block an arrow. That's about it. Yeah. But against a, a spear, a long Doric spear. And a bronze shield. And a bronze big old shield. Hoplon, if you're interested. Were their shields solely bronze, or was it it's, wood? It's leather. It's le- it, yeah, I think it's wood, leather, and then you put the bronze on the top, I think. Right. I think that's how... But they're obviously... They're massive shields. I think they cover, like, the whole of your body, I think. If like I've never, I've never held shin, one. Like isn't it? Isn't it, like, uh, neck down to your shin? Yeah, at least knit. covers... Yeah, I think it would be about your knee, I reckon. Um, yeah. And they invent, the, the shield is actually has a... Um, is a different kind of device for holding it. Whereas normally it would just be like a rope kind of thing. Yeah. Where this one, you put your whole arm through it and it goes onto your wrist, uh, your like the top of your arm and then your wrist and then you hold it. So you have a lot more like movement with it. Yeah. But their shields are very good. Uh, but yeah, they end up just crushing the Persians again and it just marks the end of the, the Persian invasion because they're just, they're just completely routed and destroyed. Yeah. Or well, one thing that I did forget to mention, which I think is very cool during the Persian Wars, is that when the, Gre- uh, the Persians want to cross the Hellespont, they, I don't know how true this is. This might not. Be, again, it's Herodotus. They to get the because uh, obviously it's such a large army. You know, it takes so long to get back on the boats and all that. What they do is they build just a bridge across the Hellespont, like a pontoon. Yeah, and they just just walk across the sea, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is really cool. But yeah, the one isn't that wide. I mean, I'm not, it's I'm not, not taking no. away from no, the. It's not. It's not there. like crossing like. <laughs> it's not like crossing the Atlantic or the English no, Channel. No, it's not. It is just yeah. a. It is just a small. You can see from one side to the other. Yes, you can, yeah. But it's just cool that they just build a bridge and it's like, there you go, dismantle the boats, build a bridge, sorted. Easier. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I'm going to include that at, at two because it just, it does signify the end of the Persian invasion. And it's, such a, it's like democracy against tyranny and it's painted as yeah. this massive, like, I definitely say it's been romanticised. Yes. But then all of the, that whole world. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's not much romance. It's gritty and it's, it's bloody and it's, yeah. So I'm going to include that. That's my, that's my two then, since you took my two. Oh, sorry. Well, you say sorry, but... Not really. No. All right, hit me with big boy. So my number one ancient battle is the Battle of Zama, Ooh, 202 nice. BC. Nice. So this the end of the second punic war uh-huh. crushing victory for rome yeah which must be nice it must be nice after yeah. their earlier mishaps so when uh, how soon after is this from like uh Trebia and Tresemene? uh about 15 years okay that's quite it's a, lot, it's a long it's a long is time it, are there any battles in between this yes so okay. obviously after that you've got they beat hannibal in italy yeah Oh, yeah, they drive them out of Italy, uh, don't they? They drive them out of Italy. And then they go all the way through Spain. Yeah. Um, and then they're also going across the sea to actually Carthage. 
Carthaginian land proper. I did forget to mention as well in the late Tresmian one is how uh, crazy it is for him just to be in Italy. Yeah, just the whole... As impressive yeah, the as it is to all. actually be in the, the sheer audacity of it to be in Italy. Yeah. So where is Zama? So Zama is in... Uh, it's near Carthage. Okay, okay. It's, so Africa. It's, yeah, it's North Africa we're talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they, they're back on his homeland then? Back to, yeah, they so pushed they, him back that far. They've chased him. Okay. Uh, from uh, there, so they've come in. You've got. Uh, so it is the Hannibal. He's recalled. So when Scipio gets there, and they the, the Carthaginians get a bit scared. Mm-hmm. Hannibal's doing quite well in Italy. Yeah. Um, the Romans, uh, sorry, not the Romans. The Carthaginians recall Hannibal, and they go, "Look, I know you're doing good in Italy, but we're about to get." conquered here we need the the big general back sure the scipio guy's pretty good yeah the hannibal goes back he gets his army they've got elephants this time okay uh so you've got the romans fighting against is this for the first time do you reckon for do you reckon they would have seen elephants or four elephants might have seen them in a few a few smaller battles before yeah okay um, but, but there's a proper Hannibal, actual... Hannibal is well known for using yeah elephant. well the Carthaginians in general yeah but, love and have but of course Romans were especially concerned about well, you would be. that they'd be fighting elephants yeah but of course using elephants has a risk so they Romans took advantage of this risk quite nicely so the first thing they did is their cavalry carried horns with them okay so they blew the horns to scare the elephants when they yeah. charged uh-huh. um, and that did work some of the elephants ran back into the Carthaginian lines. Yeah. But then the other thing that they did was they, uh, the r- elephants can only run in straight lines. They're not really uh, like, they like can't. horses can duck and weave everywhere. They kind sure. of just go. Yeah. Um, so the Romans basically put lanes in their front line. Ah. So that, and then they hid it. So they had all of their light infantry. Um, yeah. The skirmishers were in front of it. So you couldn't tell there were gaps in the line. Sure. Elephants come in. The skirmishers just disappear because that's just what they do. Yeah. And then there's lanes all the way through the. Ah, um, so the elephants just run through the lanes. So the elephants just run straight through. Yeah. And then basically they either run out of steam and then they just get you know stabbed at the back by guys with very long spears who are ready yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, but basically the yeah the elephants do next to nothing. That's clever. Yeah. That's a clever way of dealing with elephants. Yeah. It, a, it's one of those things. That, it's one of those things where in my in my head. When I picture elephants in a in a battle, I'm thinking of like oliphants from like Lord of the Rings, like that <laughs> level of size. I'm like elephants are big, obviously, but they're not like they're, they're not, not like massive. No. Um, I'm just like I just think of oliphants like stampeding over people. Yeah, it is quite easy to avoid an elephant if it's running at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if there's loads of them, it's probably much harder. Yeah. But to have, yeah, to put lines in, that's a great idea. To... It's a clever idea to just clever. completely negate. So how do they, why do they lose so hard then? Well, w- once you've got that, it's kind of a little bit all over. Um, basically, Roman cavalry also beats the Carthaginian cavalry, which is quite rare. Yeah, it's pretty rare. You don't really get that very often. So no, then basically once the front lines draw join, you get the... Uh, Roman cavalry comes back later because it wins. Yeah, that's um, yeah. And yeah, essentially, the, the Romans are just better. Yeah. So you know, I mean, there's not many. Join, Carthaginian cavalry runs away. The Roman lines meet because at the end of the day, I imagine it'd be quite disheartening because if you've got elephants in your army, you're going to be expecting the elephants are going to win you the battle. You know, you've yeah. gone well. We fought with these guys before. They've always won. The elephants always clean up. Yeah. And then when you realise your elephants have done nothing, you're going to be a bit disheartened. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think Hannibal had to leave his best troops in Italy. Oh, really? So I don't think he had his best troops with him. He had, yeah, not not the greatest. Does Hannibal die? Is Hannibal killed? Uh, uh, no, I don't think so. No? Because Hannibal, he... He left, I think, and he he went to join someone's court, I think. Oh, really? He went to join someone famous as some king's court, and then someone else met him later. I think Scipio meets him. That was it. Oh, really? Hannibal runs away and joins, 
I'm going to have to quickly look this up. But he runs off to join someone's court. Yeah. Um, he goes to... Is it Antiochus? Yeah, he goes to live with Antiochus. Right. And then um, at a later point, um, Cornelius Scipio shows up. Oh, right. To, I think he's just defeated Antiochus or something like that. But there was oh, right. one like that. Like they met many years in person. After. And I think Scipio said... I think Scipio said Hannibal was the greatest general of all time or something like that. Yeah. It's quite a nice thing to that's say. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Respect. Um, but I just think in terms of battle, yeah. King Elephant's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. King Hannibal also. Also I mean, impressive. The Hannibal. He the Hannibal. Yeah. As a result of this. Very true. Very true. Scipio was given the name Africanus. And Great I mean, name. Great name. Yeah, it's a good... Fantastic. A good, to be given a name specific to a continent because you're so good at fighting. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. It's, not, it's not Pompey Magnus. No, but it's come close. close. Yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah, definitely. You might not be great, but you are... No one's going to forget no. who you are. Well, they haven't because we're still talking about it now. Still talking about it today. Exactly. Do you want my number one then? Hit me with your number one. <sighs> so I'm quite surprised you haven't included this, to be honest. I'm quite surprised. So I've gone with the siege of Alicia in 52. That was going to be my... I replaced that with Masada. Because this one is just like fucking tactical genius. Like yeah. it doesn't get... I don't think it gets any better than this, to be honest. So this is Julius Caesar's campaign in Gaul. Um, inside, he's besieging the town of Alicia, which inside has Vercingetorix, mm-hmm. who's the Gallic... He's not king, is he? He, but he, he has united. He's united the Gallic tribes, hasn't he? Yeah, um, he's a warlord. Yeah, yeah, warlord. That's better. Yeah. Uh, so it starts out as just a siege to starve the population to surrender. Uh, there's about eighty thousand inside. So obviously, food for the eighty thousand inside plus the women, children, is that's not going to last. That's that, that's not going to last you very long. So they start rationing out the grain and stuff. Uh, he's basically waiting for a relief army to arrive. Vercingetorix. Um, so then Caesar is aware of this, so he builds the second uh, enclosement around the Romans, built the same way as he's done the first one, uh, building walls, protecting him from uh, from missiles, from harassment, and they can continue sieging the town while being protected from the the relief army outside. Uh, of course, then a Roman relief army turns up as well, led by Mark Antony, uh, and they then destroy the Gallic relief force. Caesar then joins in as well. Uh, they use the cavalry very well, I think, in this one, I believe, uh, if, I'm, um, if I remember correctly. The Romans actually use cavalry to an effective level, which is a surprise. Yeah. Uh, but they, I'll just include this one because I'm like, that is fucking brilliant to actually keep... Because that could backfire massively if you trap yourself in between two points because they actually... Yeah. At, one point, at one point, they do try and break out and Caesar just fights them off. And then he's got the people behind him as well, which, like, even though they're not doing anything, that's pressure. Well, the, you've got the problem, isn't it, is if they both decide to attack at the same time. Yeah, you're like, well, fuck, what do you do? You're, yeah. But it works out perfectly for him uh, to, to take that risk, and it just plays out amazingly well. Uh, and then, of course, I, they capture Vercingetorix after that. He surrenders. I mean, yeah, he surrenders and obviously kisses the eagle in that yeah. famous painting, which I... Um, Love it. I think it's a great painting. But uh, yeah, I think it's a, a unbelievable show. I mean, of the, the engineering of oh, the Romans. If you look at the 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 traps and the the things they built around yeah. the wall, you know, they had all the spike pits, yeah, yeah. All, all that kind of stuff, spike logs, all, all of that they had around because they knew they were outnumbered. Yeah. So their only option was to try and, you know, they couldn't man the entire wall all at once. So they no. had to figure out, they had to be able to man the wall without having any people there. Yeah. Which is yeah. essentially what they did with, you know, traps. and. Yeah. It's a great use of like, you're knowing your limits. Yeah. And not trying to do too much. Uh... And again, it's the ballsiness. It's similar to Masada, oh, that whole, it is he, he could have just left when the yeah. roof arm was put up. Yeah. You just decided, stopped. But no, you know I'm, I'm in this. No, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to win. Yeah, it's great. But that I, that definitely sums up Caesar as a person, I think. Yeah. His belief that 
he, he is better than everyone and he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. It's shown there perfectly. Um, For sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of like Caesar things you could include. I was tempted to include his victory over Pompey. Fortalis, that was a good battle. That's a good battle. But I'm like Alicia because the I love the Roman engineering is great. I think mm. for its time it's brilliant. Um, and it's not an easy like people think like oh Rome against Gaul that's easy. That's not. That's a very hard battle to fight. The, the Gaul Especially obviously... by this point because all of Gaul is in revolt. He's not yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not like not just dealing with a single town that's in revolt. He's yeah, essentially in Gaul. Yeah, exactly. It's um, crazy. Um, so yeah, um, that is that's that's my number one. I think it. I think that's a worthy number one. Good pick. Yeah. Right. Well, that's over the way. So now we've got to try and sort it out into a top ten. Deliberate into our list. Yeah. So what was your five? My five is Mile with the Corvus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I'm happy to have at 10 because, I mean, it's cool. But what was your number five? Uh, Tutorborg Forest. I mean, I'd say Tutorborg is more impressive than uh, using a Corvus. Yeah. I'm happy for the Corvus to sit at 10. Yeah. So the Corvus at 10. Okay. So where do you think Tutorborg Forest belongs? I'd say it's probably more significant I than think... nine. Yeah, but I think Trasimene is a more impressive ambush. Oh, yeah, because it's tactically, I think Trasimene is but also, better. Yeah. But I think on the whole, Tuchbog Forest is more important. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So it's whether we're saying the battles for their tactical genius or their importance. Oh, well, it can be both. Factor in all of it, don't you? Because Tuchbog Forest is more of an important battle. It is, yeah. Trasimene is more of an impressive battle. And it's obviously the first time you've got an ambush. What about Tuborg Forest 7? Tresemina 8? What would 9 be? 9 could be. I think about a carry, I think. Because it doesn't really have... That could a, probably go in 9. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it has a, a, a massive carry there. And then we can put Ball Forest at seven. Yep. So wait, what's eight? Lake Tresemine. Happy with yeah. that? Happy with that? Yeah. So then what was your what was your four then? Was that um Masada. Masada. <sighs> Which definitely I wouldn't say isn't Tuchable Forest is Do you think it belongs in the top five? What Masada? Mm. In the top ten, do you think it's in the top ten? Probably not, to be honest. Would you reckon swap Tutorborg, put that at six and Masada at seven? Yeah, yeah, seems fair. Yeah, I think that's probably a more accurate. Yeah. So then we're, now we're into the top five. Then. So what do you there think? There's only four because we. Oh no, because you swapped one of yours out. Yeah, I swapped one. Yeah, I swapped one out. So I've got left. Did we, so where's Trasimene? Tresamine uh, is number eight. Right. So I've got left Thermopylae and Zama, which I definitely think are both top both, three. Yeah, for sure. So I reckon Zama, I think, oh, I'm, I, I'm a little bit biased because I love the Greek period, but I would say Thermopylae two, Zama three. Or would you put Zama as more important? Than what Thermopylae? Yeah, I mean yeah. Thermopylae technically didn't actually lead to anything, did it? Really? Well, uh, not, not necessarily. Until... It was a, it was a foregone conclusion. They're always going to lose. Yeah. So you could argue that potentially the outcome of Thermopylae, either way, no matter how long they had lasted, the outcome was always going to be the same. That the Greeks would always rise up anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Zama is pretty important. Zama too. I think Zama's got to be in the top one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I'll put Thermopylae as three. Now, so what we've got left, we've got Marathon and, and Caesar Elysia for me. So we've got one, four, and five to deal with. Uh, I mean, Elysia, could you put Elysia as one? It's impressive and it does lead to the defeat of the Gallic tribes. Yeah, it is an impressive. And does solidify Caesar as... 
and yeah. like uh, as a as a commander and a like force to be reckoned with, and it's Caesar in it. And I'm like mar- marathon is quite important still. Is it though? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, it's the first time the Greeks beat the Persians. It repels them away from Persia. It's the first time you ever see like the odds against the Greeks, and they triumph. Mm-hmm. East meets West for the first time. But I'm not. I don't think it deserves number one. Maybe four. Are you happy with that? Put marathon mm. at four, mm. and then put. So what? What have you got left? Because we've got one and five left. So what you got? Nothing. No, because you changed out. We have. Oh yeah, Platea. Twice, so I'll put so Platea at five. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say yeah. Marathon Alicia is more impressive than, and then Alicia at one. Okay, so this is the list then, starting from we'll go ten to one. So ten is the the Corvus. Well, that battle was battle of battle of Mile. Mile. Uh, number nine is the uh, Carre. I wasn't say Carahay, like Carre. Number eight, Lake Tresemine. Seven is Siege of Masada. Six, Teutoborg. Five, Battle of Patea. Four, Marathon. Three, Thermopylae. Two, Zama. And one, Elysia. Are you happy with that? I think that's a good ranking. Boom! Done it! There you go. Top 10 ancient battles completed. Easy. Easy peasy. We could have been military leaders. We could have been military historians. Yeah. That's the dream job, that is. In the late medieval period. Well, late ancient period. So I'm I'm thinking next week we do medieval battles. There are some good medieval battles. There are some good medieval battles. Again, it's another one I'm excited for. But then it's one of those things that I'm not... I'm just trying to think how... What I actually know in terms of... Because outside of English-French wars... I don't read like I. What I think a lot of mine will be English, French. And, yeah. 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 It's just I. I don't think a lot of it comes down to personal choice. You can just find other battles more interesting than certain battles, even if they are more important. Yeah. So if we go just more exciting. For medieval. Yeah. So if we go from the fall of Rome. Yeah. For about four fifty. Yeah. Basically until. Bosworth Field, probably yeah. in the medieval period, 1485. Yeah, I think that's... A, I'd say that's... Yeah, so about to 1500. Call it 1500. Call, call it 1500. Call it 1500. Let's <laughs> round it up. Yeah, call sure. it 1500. Yeah. yeah. We can go to the... What was that treaty? Oh, I can't remember what it's called. There was a treaty where they basically solidified all of the countries. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. That'll be a good one to do. Though. I remember old Simon Sandal used to say that was the birth of the modern Sandal. period. But then yeah, a lot Simon of other people Sandal. will say that 1485. As you say, yeah, Judas period. Yeah. Which I I would. I don't know. I don't know if I would say that the the Tudors were. I, yeah, I, I'd say Tudors. I would. Would you say that the? Because I would still the, call Henry the Eighth a medieval, medieval king. Yeah, I'd call him a medieval king. A late. I'd say medieval. after the Tudors. After the Tudors, yeah. Who comes? Is it Stuarts? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I would say Stuarts are more going into like Renaissance. Yeah. Period of time. So I would I would go up to about fifteen hundred. I reckon. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Let me. I'm just curious now. Who's the late? What are you trying? What are you trying to figure out now? I'm gonna figure out what that treaty was. Oh, Westphalia. Ah, right. uh, yeah. Look at that. It's all coming out. Treaty of West Failure. There you go. 1648. Okay, okay. I mean, a lot of mine are going to be way before then anyway, so... Yeah, I think that's often been... um, Yeah, scholars have identified West Failure as the beginning of the modern international system. Okay, fair enough. Based on the concept of West Failure sovereignty. So I think that was the time when... So it's one of those things, isn't it? You could argue whatever you want. Because yeah. in the same way that medieval period, we have a very Anglo-centric definition. Yeah. Yes. But we tend to say the, uh, the Middle Ages begin at 1066. Yes. We can say before 1066 is the early Middle Ages. Yeah, it's like Dark Ages, isn't it? Dark, yeah. Early medieval, we yeah. don't call them Dark Ages anymore. Do we not? Um, no. Why? What's wrong with Dark Ages? Because <laughs> there's no point. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> um, the early medieval. Right. 
and then yeah, when you get to the Normans, it's that. And then again, Bosworth Field is another English battle. It is another English battle that, that we decide is yeah important. Yeah, but that's true. I would say that's what I've been. Yeah. I I definitely agree. Ten sixty six is a big change in English history. Yeah, I yeah, I'd agree. I would say you know because you get that's when you get feudalism. Yeah. Proper. Yeah, Magna Carta. Well, I mean, Magna Carta is like two hundred years later. Yeah, but that is just during that period, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, well, that's for all all of next week's excitement. Buzzing. Buzzing. So I'll be seeing you next week then. Until next week. Until then, have have a great time. Have a great time. <laughs> what we to say. <laughs>